countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey! It is now time for the last comic shop! Where we open up the shop to newbies and help them get situated underneath the big comic book tent. And we keep the lights on for the oldies who want to level up by uh, reading comic books and stuff. And I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott, my faithful and trusty allies in this quest to bring you comic book reviews and recommendations every single week. And on today's program, found a cause you vertigo, but it's a wonderful one from the olden days that they've now recently made into a TV show because that's what they do with comic books now. Everything's a TV show or a movie. Uh, And this one is called Why the Last Man. Y is in the letter, not Y is in W H Y. Kind of both. Yeah. Kind of both. Yeah. You want to know? Yeah. If you get into it later, you you will ask why Yorick was the last man because like he's a pretty poor specimen. If that's all you got. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Spoilers. We'll get there. And if you haven't watched the TV show or you have watched the TV show, I mean, it recently just came to an end. Like the last episode just aired last week. So we thought it was a great time to basically go ahead and and get a review out of the actual comic book in case, again, yeah, you want to, you know, listen to us talk about the comic book, then go read the comic book and then go binge watch the show. Or maybe you've been watched the show already and now you're like, I wonder what the comic book's like. Well, regardless, we're going to talk about it today. But one other thing we're going to talk about is our Twitter polls that's right kids every wednesday on last comic shop's twitter page at last comic shop j.a scott our wonderful co-host is gracious enough to put out a comic book related poll again our one man pew research center (laughs) yes so periodically we feel it's our obligation to go ahead and recap these not only is it because we want people to get the results, because they might be interested in that, but it also drives more people to go take part in these polls that we put out every single week. So, J.A., we've got about six polls again to cover on today's show. We've- yep, yep, we're going to go through six. Uh, most of these, well, the bulk of them, four of them were in our Marvel month. Oh, yes. You have a lot of sort of Marvel-adjacent polls. Also, this is... Uh, the first time we saw a serious uptake in the number of people voting on our polls. So we're getting a lot more uh, participation from our community uh, on Twitter. So that's always good. We always like to see that, you know, we're not just throwing out these polls into the nether and they go nowhere. So anyways, first one was uh, off the back of our what if episode. uh, We asked, which one of these storylines do you wish would have happened or continued? Choices were Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4, Snyderverse continued, so we would have gotten, you know, sort of the, the Snyderverse into uh, uh, Nightmare and, and everything that he had going on. Uh, Nicholas Cage's Superman. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no! Not the bees! Not the bees! <laughs> He had such greasy looking hair in that one. You see the picture all the time. (laughs) He looks so off-putting in that costume. Go on. 
And and the fourth was uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, which was okay. to come out in the very early '80s. So uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Four, and then there was the rest of the field. It took over fifty-two uh, percent of the vote. And I mean, that's the right call. I mean, if we would have got uh, Spider-Man Four, we would have gotten possibly Bruce Campbell playing Mysterio, which would have been awesome sauce. They could have actually moved Venom out to maybe the fourth movie, or at least, you know, built Venom up a little bit better, where maybe you would have introduced parts of the Venom thing in, you know, three, and then continued it in four. A lot of good things could have happened. Yeah, and the bottom line is they did Sam Raimi dirty with that whole Spider-Man three smushing everything together. He deserved a chance to redeem himself. Plus, what we got instead on the flip side was so bad that Sony gave Spider-Man back to Marvel. (laughs) Uh, There is no love lost when it comes to the amazing Spider-Man, I guess, two movies and Chad Smith. He hates those movies. He hates those. The first one especially. The second one everybody knew was going to be dumb. That first one. And I mean, plus the fact, another thing that they kind of got wrong with that was they were building up the whole Harry Osborn arc and that didn't get to go anywhere. Like they made him like, I don't know, the night flyer or somebody <laughs> other than the green goblin. That, usually, that really made me angry. I'm like, no, like they had like this sibling rivalry thing. He almost stabs Peter Parker to death in Spider-Man 2. There is some sincere drama there. We could have got something like Spectacular Spider-Man 200, but we didn't. Instead, they make him like some weird guy flying around with goggles and it was stupid as hell. That could have been like six movies of greatness. (laughs) You know what the other one is on this list was the the Fantastic Four. I was going to give J.A. just a little bit of grief because that that actually did happen. Like they did make the film. It just wasn't released anywhere. And I think that's the most interesting story of all. Like, yeah. What if it was so bad? They never released the film, but they did release a documentary about making the film and not releasing the film, which you can see on Amazon. Prime. Or or those great episodes of Arrested Development. Is there a whole episode all about the Fantastic Four movie? Oh, yeah. They're they're wandering around in the thing costume. It's sad. (laughs) Much like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3, we don't talk about that season of Arrested Development. It was not on par with the rest of the the series. All right, so the next one, uh, best magic wielder in the Marvel Universe. Uh, The choices were Scarlet Witch, Magic, Doctor Doom, and Brother Voodoo. Oh, see, there was some antagonism with this particular poll because as J.A. was putting out the selections, I was just like, well, you know, Doctor Doom win this with a landslide, right? Doom by 45% of the vote. Unfortunately, the Magic fanboys stayed home. Uh, Scarlet Witch, a close second. And Brother Voodoo, no love. 0% of the vote. Yeah, that's sad. J.A. was all, oh, oh, it's magic. And then it was like, doom, da, doom, doom, doom. (laughs) (laughs) Next poll. Best reboot of a series. So... Was it Snyder Superman, Nolan Batman, Netflix Daredevil? And then this is where I made the mistake. I put Amazing Spider-Man. I should have put MCU Spider-Man because we're looking for the best, not the worst. So it only got 7% of the vote. Uh, And Snyder Superman only got 3% because I guess people don't think that's very good either. So it was essentially a two-horse race between the Nolan Batman series and Netflix Daredevil. 
Although I will contend, if people take the time to watch Daredevil, the director's cut, which contains 100% more Coolio, and is in fact 100% more Coolio, they would appreciate that Daredevil movie that much more. Uh, But this was like a very interesting poll. First off, I was surprised at how many people actually voted on this poll. There were tremendous numbers that came out for it, and it really was a very very tight race like i was watching it like almost every hour like because they were like running neck and neck i was like who's gonna win i voted for i think the the daredevil series to be honest chad what did you vote for uh i voted for batman yeah as you said we had this is the most voted poll we ever had so far in our polling career i i also went for daredevil okay next one Best cosmic character for an MCU movie coming up. Uh, Better Ray Bill, Adam Warlock, Quasar, or Super Scroll. Oh, and we have to put the caveat that this did not include Silver Surfer. That was during our Silver Surfer Parable Week. So if you couldn't pick Silver Surfer, who else did you want to see in the MCU cosmic-wise? And who won this vote, J.A.? Better Ray Bill with a handsome 58% of the vote. Uh, a distant second place was Adam Warlock. Quasar coming in fourth. It seems that with these polls, I always pick like one bad person that gets <laughs> almost none of the vote. That was his, he was no the. But I will oh. say this, a lot of people were asking which which Quasar we were picking. And of course, I had to post on our page the, the picture of. Uh, Quasar with doing the Demi Moore the baby impersonation belly. being pregnant on one of the issues because that's just one of the best comic book covers of all time. I won't hear any word about it. And <laughs> just to bring up, this poll came out a month before the news uh, leaked out about Adam Warlock being cast in the MCU. Yeah. Did you guys see that? Where the kid from We're the Millers is going to be your new Adam Warlock. Well, and I saw some of the pictures of him. He's definitely a blonde bombshell, at least, you know, so I was like, okay. Yeah, I can buy that as Adam Warlock, for sure. But I want to see Horseface all day. You know me. Better Ray Bill's the right answer. On the uh, idea of horses, the next one was Best Arthurian Film. Ooh. This poll went along with our review of Once in Future. And we had Excalibur, Sword in the Stone, Army of Darkness, or Monty Python's Holy Grail. And I have to admit... I thought it was going to be Monty Python's Holy Grail in a landslide, and we had a bit of an upset with this one. Army of Darkness came from behind after Monty Python got out to a huge lead, and sort of, I guess it was the mail-in vote, um, (laughs) overtook Monty Python to win this 39% to Monty Python's 29%. It was just a flesh wound. Well, listen up, you primitive screwheads. Uh-huh. You never go against Army of Darkness. Like in this particular poll, like I was surprised it was on the list. I was trying to think of other Arthurian movies. Like, I don't know why you didn't say like the first night or whatever, but Army of Darkness is on a poll. I'm voting for it every time. And I'm going to be campaigning hard. When I first got a DVD player, it was one of the first three DVDs I bought. Because you get Matrix with a DVD player, right? Yeah, that standard was like, I had to get mine rechipped because it couldn't handle the Matrix. <laughs> but I had that, I had Fight Club, and then I had Army of Darkness, first three. But I, I will say this, in this particular poll, we got shamed by our good friends over at what? Uh, co- comic Book Couples Counseling. 
Well, they shamed everybody because they basically said Excalibur is the correct answer. And why is nobody voting for this? And I, and I kind of had to agree because I'm like, that is the only one that's really about the Arthurian legends for reals. But nobody watches that. Everybody just shouts. Our sword in the Stone is, too. Well, yeah. Come on. That's one of the last best animated Disney movies. Well, yes. which one do you vote for, J.A.? Monty Python's Holy Grail. Like, you know, <laughs> I thought everyone would. <laughs> Chad? I shopped smart. I shopped S-Mart. Went with Army of Darkness. Can't go it was the closest to the book we had read. That's why I like that for a, as a poll answer. And then uh, our final poll that we're going to review in this little session was uh, Best Monster. So this went with My Favorite Thing is Monsters. And we wanted to know what your favorite monster is. And this was pretty much a straight-up layup when it comes to the four, though there was some pushback that there was no creature from the Black Lagoon. We had Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the mummy, and the wolfman, you know, sort of the uh, Mount Rushmore of universal monsters. I'm trying to think, does Wolfman have his own cereal? Yeah, (laughs) Fruit Brute cereal. There you go, that's our qualifier. Fruity Yummy Mummy, Frankenberry, Count Chocula. I guess Booberry's on there, too, but there's not a really a ghost. I mean, the closest you get is the Invisible Man. Yeah. And uh, this ended up being a bit of a horse race, too. Two, two horse race between Dracula and Frankenstein's monster, uh, with the Wolfman coming in uh, a, a distant third, and the Mummy getting no love at all. Must have got, like, one or two votes. He only had 4% of the vote. Dracula took it home with nearly 50% of the vote. Frankenstein's monster coming up second in 31%. I will point out we did do somebody well on this by calling it Frankenstein's monster, not Frankenstein. Apparently that's a pet peeve among certain of our listening audience. <laughs> J.A., you, you must have voted for the mummy, right? I mean, that was that's always been one of your favorites, right? It was, but I, I went with Dracula because I'm also a big Bella Lugosi fan. Oh, see, that's why it lost. Because you didn't campaign hard enough for your boy. You ended up switching. No, you, you stick with your boy. I, I said on this poll, Bride of Frankenstein is the movie I watch every Halloween. It is my favorite Universal Monster movie of all time. It's like my great pumpkin. And I watched that, and I was out hard campaigning for Frankenstein's monster. You needed to do that for the mummy. That would have got the votes. I think I'm still the the one person that was disappointed that the the Universal Monster verse never took off with all the new movies with Russell Crowe and Tom Cruise and all those guys. They only ended up making three of them, right? Did they get to three? I think yeah. Uh, they had Dracula Untold. Yeah, okay. okay. They had that the, one was the Tom so Cruise Mummy and then yeah. the Invisible Man. Ah. And I think the Invisible Man is kind of adjacent, but it doesn't cross of tie-in characters. They just said, well, it's part of the universe because it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that's always a part of our universe is comic book reviews, and we've got another great one for you on today's program. We're going to be right back after these commercial breaks with Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man. Why should you keep on listening to our show? Because you're going to get that review. Stay tuned. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed? Drifting off and suddenly think, Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes 
a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, that wonderful time in every single show where we have read a book this week, and we're going to tell you about it. And this particular one, as I mentioned previous in the show, is kind of timely and relevant to a lot of people out there because they made a comic book-related TV show about it that's been appearing on Hulu, FX? Yeah, FX on Hulu. Okay, all right, all right. But long story short, they finally made a Why the Last Man TV series, which, honestly, they've been talking about for forever. I remember when they were talking about doing this back when Lost was on the air, uh, and that was like a decade ago. And in fact, part of me thinks like this should have been done a decade ago, and, and, and why they're finally doing it now, I don't know, because like... It's different times now, and is this any even relevant anymore? And maybe they missed the boat, but they still did it, and I haven't watched a lick of it. Now, now Chad has, and before we get into the comic book review real quickly, uh, what did you think thus far of what you watched? I am the wrong person to ask about this, because... The Why the Last Man show is an hour-long, like, serious drama, and I don't have that kind of attention span, so I tried to do that thing that other people can do where I put it on in the background and was doing something else, and I just ended up concentrating on the other the other stuff I was doing. Although I will say there is an appearance by my favorite band, The Magnetic Fields, in one of the first episodes, so it got some points there. Now, I, I agree with you, Chad. Like, I had a hard time sitting through Modoc. And that was like a half-hour comedy series. And I I might eventually get around to watching Why the Last Man uh, I'm binging it sometime, which you can do now that it's wrapped up. But, like, meh, I'm rather, I'd rather read the comic book, which is what we're going to talk about today. Right, yeah, it was so, a much more modern take on things. And I applaud that, but at the same time, I, it, it, in the best way possible, it just wasn't for me. So I do a comic book podcast because I like comic books. That's yeah. why I'm not on a TV show podcast. Well, I will say this. Uh, this is actually our first DC book that we've actually had on the program since August uh, when we did Suicide Squad. It's really? been like three months since we've done. And, and it, it's not and even it's a, a Vertigo. Yeah. It's Vertigo. That if that says something about our podcast, eh, leave us a comment about it. Now, this one is my pick. And I will say, I, I can be pretty harsh on DC Comics uh, especially when they're bad. And that's the thing that, that, that was happening for a little while out of the future state. But in their defense, in the last few months, I find myself picking up more and more DC books off the rack. You could go with the uh, the Tom Taylor Nightwing stuff, or you could go with the Tom Taylor Superman stuff, or you could go with the Tom Taylor DC versus vampires. And, and looking at what's coming down the pike, they've got uh, this new Catwoman series by Cliff Chang, the One Star Squadron by Mark Russell and Steve Lieber. Very excited. And the Human Target with Tom King and Greg Smallwood. There's so many things that DC has coming down the forward to that it uh, you know, kind of makes up for some of these gaps sometimes. I was going to say, we might have to review some of those. 
Yeah. Well, I will say this before the end of the year, we will be reviewing Tom King and Mitch Gerard and uh, Doc Shaner's Strange Adventure series. It just recently wrapped up and will be coming out in hardback in December. So stay tuned for our December shows around that time when that hardback comes out. We'll be definitely be reviewing it on this show. But we are not talking about Strange Adventures or other DC books. We're talking about Why the Last Man. And J.A., who did Why the Last Man? Why the Last Man was a Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra production. Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, Pia Guerra, the penciler, uh, Jose Marzan provided inks uh, and colors were by Pamela Rambo and lettering by Clinton Robbins with covers, beautiful, beautiful covers by J.G. Jones. There you go. And given this was Chad's pick this week, Chad, what is the 10 cent synopsis of the first two volumes? Again, this series ran for 60 issues, but we covered the first two trades for today's review. That's right. We did Unmanned and Cycles. So the basic premise of this book is one day, uh, all the dudes are dead. <laughs> so there's one guy who's left behind. His name is York, uh, and he has a monkey with the Y chromosome named Ampersand. And so much of the book is about them trying to get across the country and the, the different people they meet. There's Agent 355. There's a Dr. Man. Uh, who's this geneticist who may or may not have caused the whole thing. And then they run into Yorick's sister. And we get into all these different things, all these different avenues that we try to find what may have happened. Uh, then we get some political intrigue with Wise. Uh, is, is his mom the president now? She's in I, the pike, I think. She's I in the pike. I get the characters mixed up, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you're right. It is a little bit different from the uh, the television show, because I think in the television show, Diane Lane actually is the president. But in this book, she's just a representative. Like, she's not the president. That sends up somebody, somebody else. But yeah, it's basically, there's just this one dude left, and he's going across the country in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where it's all... <laughs> There you go. There's a lot of differences between this particular series and the Hulu FX series. Uh, and we'll get to some of those and what which ones I think work and which ones don't. But J.A. actually had a lot of questions that he wanted to throw out to the group. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got lots of questions. Um, <laughs> how, how are they making food? I guess they're all vegetarians now because... <laughs> Cows can't reproduce and pigs can't reproduce. And, well, I guess you can clone lambs now. So maybe they're cloning the lambs. So uh, are they cloning everything? How are they making food? Uh, I felt that they kind of glossed over some of the big things about, like, the planet losing 48% of its population. And the one of the two key components to making the next generation of everything. I mean, they talk about... This is our last generation, the next generation of, you know, humans. But they kind of gloss over that animals, especially animals that we eat and animals that are part of the entire ecosystem, they have different life cycles, you know, like dog ears and cat ears and things. Jay, focus up, man. Focus up. This is about humanity, not cow-manity. I, I will say this, that I have an answer to your question in terms of what are they doing for food. I did think about that for a second, and I did say to myself, you know what? With half the population gone, that means 
half the canned goods are still available, right? Because if you don't, if you if you drastically drop the population, you still got the same number of canned goods with half the number of people to eat them. So as long as you're eating baked beans all the time, you're set. Yeah, the beans that were made in the past, but not. But there's no more current production. Well, that doesn't mean that production is going to stop. There are still people left, and admittedly, they're probably going to have an adjustment period. You know, they got to take some time, clean all the dead bodies off the road, and get everybody in those trucks and all that other stuff they're doing. But uh, but yeah, they'll find a way. Yeah. Well, I, that was the one thing that I, I will say that, believe it or not, it was a major issue for me between the television series and the comic book. York walks around in the comic book wearing a gas mask most of the time. You can't see his face because, again, he's uh, afraid of what people's reaction will be. Him being the last of something, you know, and and, and I, I will say this, that like, gosh, that made everything so much more. Uh, suspenseful. I was uh, on the edge of my seat a little bit because, again, I was like, "Oh no! What? What if they? What if they find out that York is who he is? And like, you know, what their what is their reaction going to be? And how are these people going to react? And are they going to try to kill him? Are they going to try to imprison him? Are they going to try to do this?" So it was very suspenseful for me. And the TV show, he walks around, he doesn't have a gas mask on, uh, not only because you know they want to see the actor's face, like most of these comic book series is, but at the same time, there's also the notion as we've grown up as a society and with uh, transgender, you know, he, he can fit in a little bit better. He can be out there in public a little bit more than maybe this book that was written like almost two decades ago. But at the same time, part of me also said to myself, if so many people died, wouldn't everybody wear gas masks? Because the stench would be awful. Yeah. Like, it would be terrible. Like, everywhere you would walk, there would just be dead bodies. You couldn't clean up that stuff fast enough, right? Yeah, I once again, I am a firm believer in the, uh, the first rule of comics that uh, nothing makes sense and nothing matters. I imagine after a couple of days, people got tired of wearing their masks, as we know society is wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to kind of also, again, piggyback on what I said about, like, the last of a kind, right? Like, because that's really what this book's about. Like, you're saying, why the last man or why the last cisgender male? I think that this is a really interesting series still just simply because of the notion of playing around with the idea of some of being the last of something, right? Like, it could have been the last of anything, right? Like, you could have made this, like, the last kid were like the ones Mandy? That, well, what I was saying was like maybe the kids, you know, everybody that was under the age of 12 died except for one kid and how crazy that one kid's life would be from because everybody would want to poke him and prod him and find out why he's the last one available. And again, just being different from everybody has a lot of suspense. Yeah, they did that. It's called Children of Men and it's much better. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, well, back that up, cowboy. If you're going to stay, why did the, why did this not measure up to, to, to that? This is the problem I had with the comic book. It was very entertaining. It, it made you want to keep reading. You wanted to find out what happened, but they didn't deal with the consequences of it enough. Yeah, I mean, they sometimes refer to, oh, there's dead people and we can't drive because all everyone died in cars, so we have to use motorcycles. And, you know, that... That's how it was kind of referred to, but it didn't really delve into, like, the psychology of, of half of the population dying and, and the fact that you can't have food. I just – I had a hard time myself 
suspending belief as and that's why i led with those questions i couldn't get to that space where oh yeah i can believe that uh this happened you know i'm reading superman sure there's a guy who can fly and and is faster than a speeding bullet but I, i struggled with the concept and i felt like they didn't give it enough justice now i haven't seen the fx show maybe it's better at dealing with that and that's what i thought children of men you watch that and it's scarily believable how society can just degenerate over you know you you take one thing and you change that one little thing and then you just watch like england become this authoritarian power and america degenerate into sort of lord of the flies zone and and all this only because no one's being born to respond to your initial points here i think those are totally valid that this world, it plays around in the premise and it plays around in the world, but it never really addresses a lot of the bigger issues at play. We might have been spoiled by an additional 20 years of content. Like, this predates The Walking Dead. So there's been a lot of post-apocalyptic material in the meantime where they have taken a much more nuanced look at what happens to society when things break down. I I think, and this is the, the biggest thing for me, and I think Andy was alluding to this earlier, is there's 20 years between when this book was published and and today and especially when it comes to the show i feel bad because i think they waited too long to do the show because as i was reading this book and don't get me wrong i i'm a big brian k vaughn fan i think he's a, a fantastic writer uh the art in here is very good I couldn't believe how dated this book was. I still remember this book as a thing. Like when it came out, I bought the first three trades, you know, and was reading along with it. It's not like when I read a comic book from the 60s or the 70s that I mentally prepared myself ahead of time and be like, oh, it's from the 60s. There's going to be things I'm going to have to adjust for the time. Like, and I got into this, it's like, whoa, it's hard to believe how much society in general has changed over the last 20 years, <laughs> whether it's progress or not to, to go back and read something from before that time, it really is like an artifact. It's like, you have to consider that time that it comes from above all else, whenever you're taking this thing into account. And that was the thing. And then one of the major reasons why, when I said to Chad, like, what do you want to read in terms of, of, of comic books? And he was like, well, let's read why the last man, I immediately jumped on it because again, I come from that generation where, why the last man was big news when that came out like almost everybody was reading it you know i was a huge fan of lost and i know brian k vaughn worked on that particular show but i like geeked out in one of the episodes when hurley uh was reading a a, a copy of why the last man when he was waiting to get on his plane and i was like oh my gosh it's one of the seminal comic books of our time and now i'm like "Uh, it is (laughs) it's very 2002 2003 to your point, Chad, like, is this the same as Watchmen? I feel like Watchmen has a much more timeless quality than maybe Why the Last Man. Am I wrong with that? Yeah, I think you had to compare it to sort of pop culture. This is like The Crash. Yes, the movie Crash. So, you know, came out. Everyone loved it. Everyone talked about it. It was it was on everyone's must-see list. It won the Oscar. And then five years later, everyone's like, yeah, it's not actually that good of a movie. It doesn't quite hold up anymore is what we thought. We kind of missed the boat on that one. I think we should have given the Oscar to um, Brokeback Mountain, which is just a much better movie in all respects. 
But at the same time, like, again, there were parts of this I enjoyed, like, well, other than York, I guess <laughs> York seems like the most dated character in this entire book. He just seems stupid. Again, the, the rest of the characters, like his sister Hero, she's a much more interesting character. 355, she's a much more interesting character. Dr. Mann is, even when he goes to the prison town with all yeah. the cycles, the second trade, where it's like just run by women from the uh, this penitentiary nearby, uh, even the, the woman he meets there that he kind of falls in love with, she's even much more interesting than him. Because, like, I don't know, she <laughs> likes David Bowie or whatever. And, and, and she actually has, like, a, an arc where she, like, throws this axe into some person. <laughs> I just thought that she was much more heroic in that. I was like, okay, but he's, yeah, he's he's yeah. he's not very interesting. I will I will grant you. It's like uh, they they never really flesh out sort of his motivations or how would you feel if you're the last person of your sex on the planet? Uh, that's got to be a mind bender. And he's kind of just like, oh. and, and I think this is you know this gets back to it being dated. And that's what I struggled with in reading it is, you know, he's going around obviously all, all the time with the gas mask. And I was like, well, why do you need that? You could just say you're transgender and people will assume you're transgender. And, and I guess that's how much we've progressed in society from 2002 to 2021 is that I can think that, no, it's just, you know, it's a you just look like Elliot Page. Yeah. Right. And well, they bring up transgenders and just immediately dismiss it in this book. And it's it, it's that fine line where you don't want to go too far out on a limb to stand up for something that was dated. You know, that was how things were at the time. You want to accept that progress. But yeah, it, it's tough. It makes it tough to talk about. And there's so many points in this where like I, I started reading it and there were moments like when the wives of the Republicans come out with their guns to storm the Capitol. And I was like, wow, that's kind of prescient. And then I was like, but a lot of this is not. <laughs> a lot of this is not how things would go. And so it, it's, it was weird to have that dichotomy. Um, and I admit too, that Yorick, he is not a likable character and he does so many dumb things. Like he rips off his gas mask. He's like, look at my Adam's apple. It's like, you jerk. What are you doing? It's like watching those old horror movies where you want to yell at the screen the whole time. Like, don't go in that room! It's like, York, you're an idiot! But I think that's by design. Well, I think it is by design. And last thing I'll say before commercial break. Honestly, I feel like York is in some ways a walking MacGuffin. He's not really what the story's about. Like, it's, it's about, like, how people react to him. That's what you're really tuning in for. He's just, like, there as a catalyst. He's like the Lost Ark. You're really watching it for Indiana Jones, but Lost Ark has to be there or else the plot doesn't move forward, right? I mean, that's all 355 is doing. He's like, oh, I got to move the Lost Ark across the, the country. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. all I got to do. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, uh, totally. Well, in any case, what's going to make sense is hopefully our ratings for Why the Last Man. We'll be right back with those right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more Last Comic Shop right after this. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, great Scott! Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, the Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first... <laughs> 
and newsletter section where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so, so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. All right, we're back with more Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our rating. Where we don't have to wear a gas mask because our ratings never smell, right? We always <laughs> give you the straight poop when it comes oh. to... <laughs> whether or not you should get this particular book or not from your local comic shop and check it out for yourself and again why the last man it's been on everybody's consciousness recently so jay is going to give us a rating scale so that we can assign it numerical value ja what is a rating scale for why the last man I think I'll just go gas mask. That's probably the safe one. (laughs) Fair enough. So we'll start off with you, sir. I mean, again, how many gas masks are you giving this? Uh, This one's hard for me because I like the dialogue. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn's writing is very snappy. The repartee between the characters often is you find yourself laughing I just feel that it's a little bit too surfacey. It doesn't get in depth enough. As I said, you know, I mentioned a lot of the problems I had with uh, not just the fact that it's 2021 and we're reading something that's set and came out in 2002 and, and, and sort of how society has changed over then, but just like the bigger issues, like how do people feed themselves when you can't produce new cows or pigs and all this other stuff? I wanted to know those questions and it didn't answer those questions for me. So for me, when you're doing future dystopian science fiction, that's the point of future dystopian science fiction. And this was felt like the, that's not the point he wanted. He just is like kind of like a Stanford prison experiment. He wanted to have this little Petri dish and this is what I'm going to set up and then I'm going to have fun in that. But I'm not going to have to answer any of the questions outside the Petri dish, even though uh-huh. the Petri dish exists in the laboratory, which exists in the town, which exists on the planet. None of that. So... I don't know. And as you said, we only read the first two trades. I wanted to know, you know, what happened to the astronauts in space? Did they get affected by this too? If, because if they didn't, then that would say that it's some sort of bacterial or viral plague. But if they did, then it's mystical. I don't know. I had so many questions. It didn't answer them. I haven't read the full 60 issues. I do know that in the Wikipedia, they say that the conclusion to this series is one of the most finely wrought, best executed conclusions to a comic book of all time. Now that might be hyperbole. I don't know if I can do 60 issues just to get to that point. So I'm giving it two and a half gas. Okay. Chad, it was your book. What are you giving it? I always say this is tough and this is tough because there's so many parts of this book that I legitimately enjoyed. There were some moments of social commentary where they talk about, you know, uh, the monument to all the males and what did they pick, but the Washington monument, the giant penis statue in Washington, (laughs) you you laugh at stuff like that. Like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And it did feel like 2002. Like I go back to, uh, Jeez, it's been a couple of months by now, but uh, when Norm MacDonald passed away and I went back and I watched a ton of his stuff, uh, work that he produced was in that late 90s, early 2000s. And some of the comedy, to, to judge it by today's standards, was really harsh. And edgy. I, I, very edgy. And I commented to 
one of my friends, I'm like, I, I love Norm MacDonald. I love Norm MacDonald's comedy. But like as a human and a dad and a person that's trying to get better uh, as I grow older, like so much of the Norm MacDonald humor is the stuff that I try to suppress now. You know, some of that, that that harshness, that precision cruelty was how I heard it described at some points to, to make things a nicer, kinder world or more accepting world. And I, I felt that cruelty in some of this book, and I don't think it was intentional, but it was just it was so hard for me to get away from. And so while there were parts that I enjoyed, there were parts that made me cringe. And I was like, well, let me just go back and consider it, you know, from that time frame and see if it gets better. But I think the problem is, is that it's so much of that time. It's inescapable. And the irony, which we haven't talked about is Yurik is this escape artist. He can't escape the time. This story is told. And so while it's fun and compelling and did I want to read more? I did. Um, I think I might recommend going with other Brian K. Vaughn books instead as a result of this one. So even though I'm the guy who brought this up, I'm going to say two. Two out of four gas masks. History has not been kind to this one. Okay. Well, I I, I will agree with that. I mean, a lot of what Chad said is, is what I feel. I mean, this was a book, again, I told you, I read it in an hour. And I kind of wanted to read more. Like, I, I honestly felt like I probably could read all 60 issues that evening. Again, Brian K. Vaughn has a way with, again, the dialogue, with the pacing, with the way that he he develops a story that it just kind of lends itself naturally. If you've read any other Brian K. Vaughn, he does this in all his other books, too. Ex Machina and, and, uh, and Saga and uh, Private Eye and Paper Girls. And I would oh. say, honestly... A lot of people love Brian Michael Bendis when it comes to dialogue. I think Brian K. Vaughn is the bee's knees. Like all Bendis guys, they end up starting to talk the same after a while. When you get into Brian K. Vaughn, they genuinely talk like different characters and they interact with each other in different characters. You can tell the difference between the characters that he has and why the last man and saga, they're just not the same people. But at the same time, I, again, I agree with Chad that there's so much dated stuff in this. And since then, in 20 years of fiction, we've gotten better stories that are that, that were told about this same premise that it now seems like, eh, uh, this, this isn't as well thought out, to J.A.'s point. And it's kind of hard to avoid. But I, 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 I liked it. I thought it was suspenseful. You know, and again, my, my thoughts about being the last of something. You know, again, whether it's the, you know, the lost Ark and the last of that, like anytime something's the last of something, everybody wants it. It's prized. It's, it's, it's rare. It's, it's something sought after and people will have dramatic emotions towards it. And so like, that's just good for storytelling, but I don't know. There, there are better stories about last things, I guess (laughs) at the end of the day, I wish I would have had this podcast back in 2005. Because then I would have thought, like, oh, my God, this is a four out of four. But now it's like eh, 2.75, I think. There is brighter Brian K. Vaughn out there. I, I definitely think the show missed the boat, too. This style of story, I don't, I, I don't think works in a modern context. And so yeah. that's what it is. But the covers, the covers were beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And you know what also has awesome covers? Some of our recommendations. That's right. It's our time of our show where we like to give you other comic books in addition to Why the Last Man that you can pick up at your local comic book shop if you are so inclined. 
That's right. We like to recommend something uh, fairly recent, something that is adjacent or related to what we discussed this week, and something maybe a bit out of left field. What's uh, what's in the newsstands today, Chad, that somebody can pick up? Well, one book, because I was talking about the, the DC uh, renaissance that's happening, one DC book that I've been enjoying, uh, and it just wrapped up a few months back, was the Batman Superman run by Gene Loon Yang. <laughs> They had a story uh, where the villain was Archivio, but it was a really neat story that was kind of like a meta-commentary on comic books, where it was the Superman and Batman from the 1940s, and the story was told through film strips, and the film strips would overlap, and like one character would fall out of the top film strip into the bottom film strip, and it was really fun and, and a neat story. I think it starts around issue 16. And then they also wrapped up the run of Batman Superman with issue 22 with a really cool story with uh, Mr. Mixelplex, the calendar man. And it's another meta commentary on comic books. And so I'm hoping it's out in trade soon. Uh, I should have looked that up, but I didn't. But uh, you can probably still find the issues at your local comic shop for uh, Batman Superman. Issues 16 through 22, written by Gene Loon Yang with a variety of artists. Don't skip on the annual also, which is uh, the end of the story and has art by Francesco Francavilla. Uh, and it's lots of fun, too. All right. We do like our DC books here, as you can tell. So we'll definitely have to check that one out. Andrew, what do we have Related-wise, that we can recommend. Oh, do I see a heavy comb in your hand? That's true. <laughs> I knew that you would be champing at the bit. Thank you. <laughs> For this week's uh, recommendation from myself, uh, again, it is an omnibus, which J.A. has oftentimes on our show shown very much affection for and it's related because it deals with characters that also have their own tv show based on a comic book that came out of dc and that is the doom patrol Uh, as you may know uh, the doom patrol series has been going on for three seasons it originally started off on the dc streaming service and has since switched over to hbo max for season two and season three and season three is coming to a close so ultimately i thought it was a great opportunity for me to talk about revisiting the silver age doom patrol the original Doom Patrol, and what better way to do that than picking up the omnibus that includes the entire run? Yes, folks, first started in My Greatest Adventure, uh, issue 80, where the Doom Patrol first appeared, and it basically ran through uh, issue uh, 121, which was called The Death of the Doom Patrol, question mark. It, It encapsulates about five years worth of comic book history with the Doom Patrol. And again, at the end of it, sincerely, the Doom Patrol dies. So you kind of get a complete series in this. And I feel like a lot of people talk a lot about the Grant Morrison Doom Patrol. And some of them talk about the uh, Gerald Way Doom Patrol. But not a lot of folks are, are revisiting all of that classic Doom Patrol written by Arnold Drake with uh, artwork either by Bruno uh, Primandi or uh, sometimes you've got Bob Haney on covers, and some of those covers are just wonderful for the time. And I won't lie that it's still Silver Age DC, 
which can kind of seem Saturday morning-esque at times. Like, the plots aren't really, like, super in-depth. It's still basically good guys, bad guys fighting it out. But the opportunity for them to kind of give you interesting characters that have weird powers that they can't fit in in real society, whether that's Elastigirl, whether that's Robot Man, whether that's Negative Man, whether it's eventually Beast Boy... Uh, from the new Teen Titans, he makes his first appearance in this series. Any of those characters, they really don't fit in. So, for an essence, the Doom Patrol is kind of the closest you get to Marvel characters from that same era. Like, these are the same as the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. Uh, this is DC's equivalent of them. And so I really think you should check it out. It's got great bad guys like a talking gorilla and um, a Masur Mala. And you've got a Madam Rogue. And you've got the giant robot Rog and the brain and the Brotherhood of Evil. And if you're watching the new Doom Patrol series, they talk a lot about the characters from this particular run. So like you're going to pick up a lot of the Easter eggs if you're a fan of that series by just reading some of those Silver Age comics. Uh, that you can collect all in this awesome omnibus for shores. Hey, that Doom Patrol book can help you appreciate uh, Doom Patrol even more than Brendan Fraser's recent Renaissance, as the folks on the internet are calling it. That's right. He is the robot man voice. And I will say, just as a real quick aside, uh, season three it feels a little on the cheap for me. <laughs> it was like it was filmed all in Pennsylvania. You could definitely tell it was a COVID show. It's like, yeah, we've got very limited sets and, and, and actors, and they can't really be near each other. So, eh, we'll do what we can with what we've got. Uh, like the, the later seasons of X-Files where, man, every freaking episode is set in the same forest in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> they want to believe. They just don't want to travel outside of this one location. <laughs> So, for out of left field, or maybe I should say out of the left galaxy, uh, I'm going to be recommending Bitch Planet by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine Delandro. And this is what has been described as Margaret Atwood meets the Inglorious Bastards. So, essentially, what it is, is it's like a, a feminist take on the women exploitation in prison movies of the 60s and the 70s where there are um, women who are non-compliant so they're sent off world to this prison planet and basically the series covers how they you know the crimes they committed and then sort of their life on the prison and it's just violent and satirical and you know unlike uh, why the last man i think this book really deals with some of the you know the, the systems and and the issues that uh, the real world problems that oppress like lgbtq women and women of color and women who don't conform to sort of what society says they should be i think it's much better at at looking at and talking about those issues maybe because the writers are women i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Netflix will pick it up too. I don't know. Yeah. And it is really good. It I it's one of those books that I was I was hoping to try to save for this particular program. So I guess it's it might be one of those recommendations that if you listen to the last comic shop every single week, 
we might end up reviewing before it's all said and done. And how you can listen to The Last Comic Shop every single week is by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find our podcast on all these variety of outlets. Again, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or Pandora or Amazon Podcasts, or YouTube, we're on all of those services. So whatever your medium is that you like to ingest podcasts with, we got a service for you, and you can find us on that. And you know what? If you like what we're laying down, if you like our recommendations, if you like our reviews, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think. Because again, it's all about this community. The community of comic books. We want to have conversations with folks. Did you think the same thing about Why the Last Man? Leave us a comment. Let us know. And how can they leave us comments, Chad? Well, they can continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram by looking us up at at Last Comic Shop or on Facebook at at Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or you can find links to all that and more at our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where... You can also find what else, J.A.? Well, we have links to our merchandise store this week, a special on gas masks. Ooh, <laughs> that's right. Anytime J.A. makes his four-alarm chili. Yes. Because <laughs> you always, never know. Exactly. It Boy, smells howdy. like half the world died. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yes, you don't want to be the last person on Earth without a last comic shop t-shirt. And just go. in case this something like this happens, they are available in women's styles and sizes. We'll be all right. <laughs> we'll still be collecting that sweet, sweet merch money even long after we're gone. Anyway, so uh, we are the last comic shop podcast, and we hope to not be the last men around. But after listening to the show, uh, maybe that would be for the best. <laughs> well, maybe it just took over. But anyway, we do not want to be the last comic shop, so... We always recommend that you head out to a place near you where you might find things like Why the Last Man by BKV and Pia Guerra. Uh, Or maybe you want to go with some old school Doom Patrol, find that omnibus. Maybe you want to visit a bitch planet. Uh, You can do that thing at your local comic shop. Or you can find those recent issues about Superman and Batman from Gene Loon Yang and company. But you can do all that and more at your local comic shop. If you don't have one near you or don't know where it is, you can find one by using the Comic Shop Locator at www.comicshoplocator.com. All right. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And, of course, stay safe, stay sheltered. And remember, if you have a strange helper monkey throwing poo at you, it might not necessarily be a bad thing, because it might allow you to stave off the apocalypse. I think the 90s, they were all about the monkeys. They had it on Friends. It was a major part of that Night at the Museum franchise. I don't remember the monkeys at all in the 90s. That was the 60s. Michael Nesbitt was all over The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.